0: Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 2, in today's review episode. I can show you the world. Just take a look through my Before we jump into today's episode, uh, just a few things really quickly. Uh, firstly, very, I'm, I'm so sorry that, uh, I've been kind of on hiatus, uh, for about, I guess it's been about two weeks now. Uh, you know, I, I meant to put out these episodes a lot sooner, but, um, my personal life has kind of exploded and as much as that as amazing as that is, is right now, uh, I I hope I can, and I should be able to kind of uh, create a, somewhat of a backlog of episodes over the next few days um, to kind of mitigate uh, that going forward. I hope. I hope. Uh, we shall see. Um, secondly, uh, you know, I haven't really been watching a lot of movies uh, in the last couple of weeks. Um... You know, I've been spending a lot of my time doing other things, and uh, up until uh, today, actually, I I really watched two, three films uh, in the last two weeks, so, you know, there isn't a ton that I have to talk about, but Guardians of the Galaxy Vol. 2 is one of those films that I did see, and to that that extent, you know, I'm kind of behind on my scavenger hunt films, and it's gonna be, it's gonna be close to, to finishing this this month off. I've I've been put in this kind of a position before, um, and I'm not sure which month it was, but there was one month last year that took me up until like the night of the last day of the month to have watched everything. And uh, this this seems to be heading in the same direction at the moment. So that is also. A factor in these things, uh, so so just uh, I'm working on it. I, I'm trying to find a sort of uh, balance between doing the podcast, uh, work, um, my personal life, that kind of a thing. So uh, I, I'm I am working on it. I, I will. You'll know what's going to happen when I know. So we'll figure this thing out. Moving on, today's review, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, the newest Marvel Cinematic Universe film, the sequel to uh, kind of the smash hit that came out August of 2014. It seems seems so much re- more recent than that, but it isn't. Um, this film picks up a little bit later from, from when the first film ended, and uh, our core team of the Guardians, you've got uh, Star Lord, Gamora, Rocket Raccoon, Groot, and Drax, who are the titular Guardians of the Galaxy. They are now, uh, I would say, relatively known entities uh, in in their uh, in their vicinity, I, I would assume, um, and while the first film kind of dealt with them coming together becoming the team that they are uh, almost a family in a sense and ultimately taking down um thanos's right hand man whose name is escaping me at the moment Um, um played by lee pace i'm gonna have to come back to it uh this film instead of sort of you know that the, the first Guardians of the Galaxy was, was very kind of pivotal in in Thanos, in the future of the MCU, in Infinity War, with the Gauntlets, with the Infinity Stones. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 is not that at all, really. It's it's uh it's more of a personal character-driven film. It ultimately feels a lot more like Ant-Man in its uh in its impact on the MCU as a whole. Um and I like Ant-Man quite a bit, but and I think the strength of Ant-Man is the humor and just simply how low stakes Ant-Man really is. I think that that was a benefit to that film. And while Guardians of the Galaxy is is perhaps the highest stakes MCU film we've seen to date, um, there's there's a lot of it, the The film doesn't really focus on that element. It, to to you know, to its benefit and detriment at times. So it's it's taking things in a different direction for the Guardians of the Galaxy, and uh, I found it to be really exciting. I, I love the movie. I thought it was really fun, really enjoyable. Uh, I did see it in three D, and I don't know that I the three D really added much to my experience um except uh in insofar as how much the film cost to see but i i did enjoy it i thought it was a lot of fun and the character moments the character moments especially are are fantastic um a lot of characters that sort of felt like they were pushed to the side in the first film are given a lot more to do in this movie uh, namely Yandu, who I think is perhaps the best character in this film. Simply as an arc, uh, Michael Rooker is fantastic in this role. Um, You've got Karen Gillan, who's given a lot more to do with Nebula, and her dynamic with with Gamora is further explained and uh, explored in that sense. We delve deeper into the Ravager culture and the Ravager team that Yondu is a part of and things like that. Uh... And then, as well as the core characters that are back, you know, all the Guardians really go through their own um, experiences. Uh, uh, Peter Quill, Star-Lord, meets his father, uh, played by Kurt Russell, and has to deal with the reality of that circumstance. Um, You've got uh, (laughs) Baby Groot, who... In, insofar as the film isn't exactly a fully fleshed out character so much as he is a device in a sense you know he, he doesn't quite have the same agency that he did as adult Groot and ultimately feels more out of a mascot than anything else in this film not to say that, that he isn't a very enjoyable and, and beneficial mascot but his character doesn't exactly uh, go through that much development in this film. Rocket kind of parallels the Yondu storyline in this film. They spend a lot of the time, a lot of time together in this movie, and you know, you had a lot of good mo- moments from Rocket in the first film, some of the best moments, in my opinion, and that is true in this film as well. Rocket uh, gets a lot of time in the sun. Gets to uh, really, um, and, you know, we, we get to learn a lot more about him and, and how he fits into this family dynamic as more than just the sort of translator for Groot, in a sense, which is important because he does feel like, at times, the most, uh, the, the, the person in the team that is furthest away Way from the core, and I think this film did a really great job of drawing him into that core uh, and keep kind of holding everything together. Um, and then there's Drax, and Drax, I think, doesn't wasn't as impressionable to me in this film as in the first one. Uh, I think, and I, I don't, I don't think his shtick wore thin. You know, the sort of literal. Uh, method way of speaking that he has is still very funny and it's still it's not played out i guess i would say but uh, in this film he mostly interacts um outside of established characters so he's mostly interacting with um a new character played by Palm Clementiev, uh named mantis uh, you may have seen her in the trailer she has like the antenna on her head and the really big eyes and her character is fine. Uh, she's probably given as much of an arc as Yandu was in the first film. So, you know, not not a not a cardboard character, but but definitely not a fully fleshed out and and realized character as many of the other people in this movie and with an ensemble this big, it's very difficult to accomplish that anyway. So, um, it, it, her interactions with Drax are very enjoyable and, and I was very fond of the sort of relationship, friendship that they established throughout this movie and the last character I'm going to touch on um, without sort of jump diving too heavy into the spoilers is Kurt Russell who plays uh, Ego who is Star-Lord's father um, if you're not aware, if, like if the name Ego doesn't mean anything to you, because you haven't seen the movie yet, which most people already have, uh, you know, he is, well I won't tell you exactly who slash what he is, but essentially he arrives in the scene and claims to have been searching for Star-Lord for a very long time. Which seems strange when you think of how noteworthy Star Lord and the Guardians of the Galaxy are. Uh, unless my my yeah, and like that sort of feels like a plot hole. But at the same time, if Peter Quill is going by Star Lord, does Ego know that Star Lord is Peter Quill, who is his son? I'm not sure. I know he references. Star-Lord in some sense... When they meet... The name I mean... And so I'm not entirely... I don't entirely remember... How aware... Ego was... Of of who Peter turned into... It does feel though... To some extent that... uh, He should totally know... It should not have taken him this long to find his son... This is I guess what I'm getting at... Um... Yeah so... The, the story is you know i think this is one of the better villains of the mcu uh you know it's definitely not loki it's still not loki it's not i don't know if they'll ever match or top loki um you know we're hoping that thanos can do that but i don't i don't know and <clears throat> but it's a, a solid villain it, it it's a character the villain is is a and there's multiple villains to the, to that degree. Um, you have Elizabeth Debecki, who leads these this race of golden people who are quote high and mighty and very snobbish. Uh, they they look down on everybody else, and and they can't be bothered to to fight with their own hands. So they pilot these sort of video game ships. Which is hilarious. I love that. Uh, but they're kind of a secondary villain ultimately in the film. They're portrayed as the main villain early on. But then we kind of have a shift in power uh, about halfway through the movie. Maybe a little a little before that maybe. Uh, and we see that that is not the true villain of the film. Uh, so... The main villain is is like I said, you know. This puts probably the most amount, uh, the the largest scale conflict that we've seen in the MCU to date. You know, we've seen the world at risk. Uh, we've even seen the the galaxy at risk in Guardians of the Galaxy One uh, to some to some degree. You know, we never really get to the point where Ronan, that's who Lee Pace's character is. We never really get to the point where Ronan is is close enough to really put a lot of people in danger out on a on a on the grand scale that we expect him to do. Ultimately, uh, he's stopped before then. However, uh, in this film, our villain truly takes things to the next level, and and you really get to see. Even, in, if, even if it's only in, in small uh, sort of flashes, just how far-reaching his grasp can be. And that, in and of itself, is tough to do. I mean, you know, you, I, I wish these films didn't feel the need to continue to escalate the conflicts... Like I said, Ant Man. I loved Ant Man because of the fact that it re- reduced everything to such a small size, uh, pun intended, and that in and of itself is is a, a positive thing. And you know, we don't need films that aren't Avengers films that aren't huge crossover films to have these incredibly high stakes uh, uh conflicts uh, now i don't know how they i don't know how they have the storyline that's in guardian of the Galaxy* volume 2 without this huge these huge high stakes personally like I don't, I don't know i think that it kind of had to be like this given who the opponent is and what the villain's motivations and desires are but it's still i don't know it still, it's still just rubs me the wrong way A little bit, just a little bit. Um, Yeah. uh, So, Guardians of Galaxy Volume Two. It falls between Civil War. I put it just a point behind Civil War uh, from last year, and a couple of points ahead of Doctor Strange. So it kind of splits the difference between both of last year's MCU films. And I'm. I'm very content with that. Uh, I, I, I think that this film has perhaps the best character development of any uh, MCU film to date. But it does falter in a lot of other areas. Some of those I will get into in spoilers. Um, but most notably the scale of, of the conflict I found mildly problemat- problematic. Problematic. And the plot is far less cohesive than it was in the in the first film uh, so the character moments are great but they don't they, they compensate for all the negatives in terms of enjoyment but they don't compensate them for in terms of like how good the actual film is so I really like the film I think it's great I think it's really good almost great um, definitely. Uh, top half of, of the T- uh, or Is it top half? Let me see. Um, volume 2. So I, I currently have it ranked 8th out of the, in the MCU. Um, so that, and, and you know, I have the first Guardians of the Galaxy ranked 3rd. Uh, and that discrepancy is a lot you know, it's not quite as it's not as bad in comparison as the difference of rankings makes it out to be. You know, the difference between third and eighth is actually like I think only eight points, so it's it's a very small difference ultimately. But let's uh, let's finally move away from <clears throat> this uh, rudimentary overlook of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two and jump into the spoiler section right after this break. So, I'm just going to come out and say I loved the David Hasselhoff cameo. I thought that was fantastic. It was really funny. Uh, the entire sequence between Baby Groot and Rocket with the detonator was really charming. I like that a lot. Um, Kurt Russell as Ego, the planet, is such a cool idea. I don't think they got it perfectly. I think they missed a lot of big parts of why that, how that character should have worked. And what should have made that conflict even more strenuous for Peter. But as far as villains go, Kurt Russell as Ego is one of the better villains in the MCU. Which... You know, unfortunately, is the case, but maybe this is a tr- hope. I'm hoping this is a trend upwards for uh, MCU villains going forward. Um, let's see. I think the soundtrack is fine, not as good as the first first film, but the opening sequ- opening credit sequence with Baby Groot dancing and the songs playing song playing in the background while they're. F- Sort of fighting the mon- this this space monster uh, off camera is brilliant. One of the best sequences. I think my second favorite sequence in the whole movie, and the first my my favorite sequence is Rocket and uh, <clears throat> Yondu's escape from the the Ravagers ship. Just oh, just. <clears throat> Uh, the build up to this to the scene is great with you got baby groot um failing miserably to find the appropriate implement to put on Yandu's head so that he can control his arrow and then ultimately when they're free man Yandu and Rocket just bulldoze their way through oh, dozens and dozens of people just and then they get to the control room and it's just they just have a field day. I love it. It's, it's incredible. It's, it's fantastic. Really enjoyable. What else do we have to talk about? Um, you've got Sylvester Stallone and his team, uh, who make a brief appearance, uh, during the actual film and then a more formal showing in the post, in a post credit sequence with the four of them, five of them, I think. I'm not, I think five. Yeah. And from what I've learned, uh, that those characters are the original Guardians of the Galaxy in the comics. I think don't quote me on that. And so I'm interested. Like I, I don't expect them to get their own movie. It seems like that would be a setup for Guardians Three, rather than like a spinoff film for these other this other Guardians of the Galaxy team. So I'm really excited for that. I liked Stallone in the role. And I liked, you know, I liked Fing Rames. I liked I liked all the the interesting characters there. You know, even like voice the voice of Miley Cyrus was crazy. But I, I'm a fan. I'm definitely a fan. So I'm looking for I'm definitely looking forward to another Guardians film. You know, I think that they have been I, I think Outside of Cap- the Captain America series, Guardians has been the most consistent uh, MCU series, uh, characters-based series. Um, more so than Iron Man, more so than Thor. Uh, but I think it's, it's on par, maybe just a shade below where I would put um, Captain America currently. I think... I don't know. I, I guess I don't really have too many spoilers I really want to talk about. I'm trying to like think about what's what happened. Um, but I guess the final showdown. So you've got these golden people who kind of invade Ego, the planet. Meanwhile, Ego is trying to seduce Peter to, quote, the dark side. Uh, and Peter resists and um, is fighting back. And then you've got the rest of the Guardians trying to trying to figure out a way to detonate a bomb inside uh, Ego's core. That's all fine. I, I'm okay with all this. The problem is, if Ego is this giant planet, I, I'm, I'm even okay, actually, let's take a step back again. I'm even okay with uh, Mantis being able to put Ego to sleep without him wanting her to. I'm fine with that. I think that's great. I like that the, you know, you have to have a way to um, put ego out of the fight for a while to take care of the golden people. I'm okay with this. This is fine. My problem arises when, as soon as the ego awake wakes up, it makes no sense. However, all these people, everyone's able to escape. Why Peter's even able to fight ego one on one in the first place? Uh, why ego can't just I don't know, if he's a planet, he's clearly more powerful than Peter is. Um, it's got like this sort of anime power of friendship quality to it that I really didn't like. Uh, and it was really frustrating. You know, it's as as sweet as it was for Yandu to sacrifice himself. You know, that realistically, that fight should have claimed a couple more lives to say the least, and it would have had to be written a lot differently for me to believe that they would all make it out, uh, relatively unscathed, um, I liked the, you know, I, I like the sacrifice from Yandu I like the Viking funeral-esque thing from the Ravagers, but I did, I that, that's a final fight, it was just a lot of explosions, you know, why is Kurt Russell why is ego manifesting a Kurt Russell to fight Peter Quill with? Like he doesn't need to do that. That's childish. This guy's been around for hundreds of millions of years or so, so he clearly knows far better than than they need that he needs to do. You know, he doesn't need to take a human form to fight a human. He is a fucking planet. So I I really. St- <sighs> That's like that's the kind of the problem with escalating the villains in the MCU. How do you contain them and control them in such a way that you can have a villain who is powerful enough, like Ego, like Ronan, like uh, Ultron, even that is just so powerful and reaches so far that you can still have your main characters fight them on some sort of evil, even playing field without dumbing those villains down um you know to ant-man's credit that i feel like i've been saying that a lot but to ant-man's credit their conflict and villain was a very small scale character to civil wars credit um daniel brule's character wasn't you know wasn't very powerful he was actually weaker than every single person in the movie beside him He was just able to manipulate these characters in ways that pit them against each other. And, like, I like that those. I like that they're doing that in that way. But, like, everybody else, like Ultron and Ronin and now Ego and, you know, probably Thanos as well, these are characters that really need to feel incredibly imposing. And to dumb them down in such a way that it makes them vulnerable to a gunshot or a laser or fist fight is is absurd. It's absolutely absurd. Doctor Strange had this problem. They solved it in a unique way that mostly satisfied me. I I was pretty content with how how, uh, Doctor Strange was able to foil uh, I don't remember the name of the god, but foil him. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I just, it looks cool, but it doesn't make sense, unfortunately, in my opinion, in my opinion. So, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Um, I will confess, uh, the people I was with, who I went to see the movie with, that were, were not... They're not traditionally uh, movie aficionados, cinephiles, in the same sense that I would categorize myself. And as such, we did not stay for all of the end credit scenes. I wasn't even aware of how many there were. We saw two of them, so I missed three of them. I missed the Adam Warlock reference. I missed the Stanley scene and uh, teenage Groot. I'm super excited for Teenage Groot. haven't seen... You know, I, didn't, I, haven't even, I haven't watched the trailers online. I don't know if they are online. They're not trailers, sequences, whatever. Uh, teenage Groot is cool. I like the fact that they're able to make this character, who on the surface seems very one-dimensional. Uh, they're giving him a lot of different angles by making him an adult and a baby and then a teenager now. Um, presumably, he will be a teenager the next time we see the Guardians of the Galaxy, either... Uh, in in Guardians Three or or uh, Infinity War, uh, Avengers. M. Um, Adam Warlock. I I you know I'm not a huge comic buff, so I don't really. I, I recognize that that name is a very significant one. I'm not entirely sure what he signifies and his presence in in and what his M- presence in the MCU will mean, but, I don't know, I, I really like this movie, I may or may not see it again while it's still in theaters, I'm not, still not, still not sure what my plans are going to be on that front, but, on the, but otherwise, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm probably going to rewatch all of the MCU before, um, Infinity War or or something like that, so It'll it'll be on rotation, and I'll be very excited to revisit this movie. I think it, I think it does It does a better job than it has any reason to uh, You know, I, I think I'm, I'm glad that they've kept James Gunn around I Don't know if he's already attached to volume three or not. I really hope he is because it would be a shame for his vision to kind of be distorted before the final chapter of it, and I really cannot wait to see the Guardians interact with uh, the Avengers, or or anybody uh, out from the rest of the MCU. I think that'll be really exciting. Um, just the interact, just like thinking of all like the potential interactions, like Iron Man and Rocket, or or Doctor Strange and Drax, or. Uh, Ant-Man and and Star-Lord, like, all that sounds amazing. Uh, uh, Gamora and Black Widow, or Gamora and anybody. I mean, any of them and anybody. Like, I, that is... uh, I hate to say, like, that's what I'm interested in when I watch these movies, the Marvel films, because it's not necessarily... Like, I don't like when... Like, I, I... As as great as Spider-Man scenes in Civil War were, they were completely unnecessary as far as the plot goes, and were simply there to set up Homecoming, and that's fine. But I don't watch the movies to see set up for the next movie. Like I'm already bought in, right? Like if you're watching Civil War, you're gonna keep watching all the Marvel films, and I get that. Like Spider-Man's a little bit of a special case because he's not. Technically, still in the MCU in the same way that the rest of the characters are, because of Sony and all that bullshit. But you know, if you're gonna make, if you're gonna put in your plugs and and teases for your next movies, put them in the end credit scenes. That's where they should be, not in the middle of your movies. But at the same time, like watching Age of Ultron and watching the Avengers. And watching Civil War outside of the Spider-Man scenes. Like I love watching all these characters interact in new ways with each other, separate from their own standalone films. And I, I it's those interactions that draw me into these films deeper and deeper. Because they've created this huge world, and I want things to make sense in such a way that yeah, of course Doctor Strange would be involved in this movie because of Reason X, or you know, you have, you know, you could have, you can have Black Widow being the second lead character in Winter Soldier, and also being a main character in Iron Man 2, and, you know, it's it's just you you have all these options, you're able to move the pieces around the board in the exact way you need them to. And I, I think that that's a really, that's a strength that the MCU has, and I don't think that they have quite mastered it yet. I'm I'm not sure, like other than the Black Widow instances, I, every most of the other instances I don't think have been quite successful, but I'm really optimistic for Hulk and Thor. Um, I have seen that trailer. And I think it looks incredibly amazing. I, I'm ecstatic that Taiko Waititi is directing. I think he's gonna do a fantastic job. And I'm very much looking forward to it. So yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy, volume two. Enjoyed the hell out of it. I, I do think Guardians one is better, but I've seen Guardians 1 twice. Guardians one, twice. And I've only seen this one once. So maybe on a rewatch, I'll, my feelings will be a little different. We'll see. Um, improved villain. Um, worst soundtrack. Uh, very strong character moments. Um, those are the main takeaways, I guess, <laughs> from this movie uh, going forward. So yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Really good. Watch it if you haven't. You probably have because it's been out for so long and this episode is coming out so late. Um, my apologies again. Uh, thank you for listening. I uh, appreciate your listenership and everything about it. going to try and get some more of these episodes out as quickly as I can, as fast as I can, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, if you have any comments, questions, concerns, or answers, you can direct those to circlefilm at gmail.com. If you want to check out the website, find out more episodes, the Circle of Film Awards, and the Scavenger Hunts, Superlatives, you can go to circleoffilm.com. And as always, have a week. So long farewell, I'll be the same good night. I know she'll never leave me, even as she fails So long!